0: Hi everyone and welcome to Queer Reflections, the podcast where we discuss queer representation in our visual media past, present and future. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and support this podcast. To find out more and follow along, see at Queer Reflections on Instagram. If you like what you hear, please think about leaving a review on your podcast provider. Hi everyone, welcome to season two, episode six of Queer Reflections. Today I am joined by the wonderful Liam O'Rourke. He is a geography teacher from Surrey. We get to have a really enjoyable conversation about kind of teaching as an out gay teacher. We talk about Queer as Folk, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we talk about Drag Race, we get to talk about Grace and Frankie, friends. So I just wanted to say a massive thank you for Liam for joining me for this conversation in the heat of this summer. Unfortunately, my microphone wouldn't work in the setting, so I've had to use a recording from our video chat. So apologies for any sound issues that come up in this episode. Also, interestingly, it ends all of a sudden. Um, I don't know what happened to the recording. I'm very sorry about this. But we were wrapping up. Uh, We just didn't get to say an official goodbye. Well, we did say goodbye, but it wasn't recorded. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and taking the time to listen to this season. I think this episode is one of my favorites because it was great being able to talk to another out gay teacher and talk about his experience in the classroom, and I think it's just really nice to know that there are out teachers out there now benefiting the kind of future of the queer community, and I think that's um, like a major stepping stone to a better kind of life for queer identity and for those who identify as queer. So I'm really grateful for the time that Liam has given and I think it's great that we are getting to the stage where we can have out teachers. It would be really interesting to know about how many trans out teachers there are across the nation. because I think that that would be an amazing visibility, but I understand that that would be, but I'm hoping in the coming years that will become more of a everyday thing of trans people in everyday jobs. And in playback, I've just realized I sound so miserable and full of cold. I promise you I'm not. I am full of cold, but I'm not miserable. I've just got a horrible fever, which seems to be going around all the teaching staff at the moment. But that's enough about me, let's get on with it. So without further ado, here is the interview. Thank you very much. See you on the other side. So hi, Liam. Thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's nice and hot today. Yeah, it's, it's boiling here as well. Where are you based at the moment? I'm in Surrey. Okay, cool. And what, and what is it you do for thing? You're a teacher, aren't you? Yeah, 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 I'm a geography teacher. Yeah. What years do you teach? I'm secondary, so all the way through year seven to year 13. And how long have you been doing that for? This is like
1: my 12th year now, I think.
0: And have you always been kind of the teaching profession? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. And I think uh, that leads on quite nicely to to ask, like, are you out as a teacher?
1: Yeah, so I think in the last few years I came out um, because I felt really comfortable with my students. um, I actually, I teach a unit on oceans as part of my course and also thinking about places in geography. So yeah. I, cho- I got married on the coast so actually naturally showing photos of my wedding as part of like actual studies worked really well and that was a really nice way to come out to my kind of year 13 students. Where is it you got married? I got married in North Devon in Ilfracombe. Okay cool
0: quite close to me. What was the response?
1: Yeah they loved it. It, it they were all really happy and I think they probably all knew this is a stupid thing they all know um yeah yeah no, no it, was, it was really good and I think I think it makes a really big difference to the kind of young gay students to see gay people in their day-to-day lives. I think that does make a difference. And I think I massively underestimated that. So now I like, I have a little badge that says he, him for my pronouns. Mm. And like some students will just say, oh, I like your badge. And what that means is thank you for wearing that badge because it means something to me. And I think I think it's, I really underestimated how important it was as a, a teacher to kind of represent your people I suppose.
0: Yeah no I, I can definitely, I, I've had that feeling as well and even those people who don't necessarily comment directly on the badge I've caught uh, students looking at my pronoun badge and you could just see like a like a sigh of relief almost come across their face like oh this is a safer space for me so yeah and I definitely underestimated that as well um it's really powerful to to be out are you the kind of only out teacher at your school or no there's loads there's loads it's oh, a girls that's
1: great there's a girl there's a girl's school so there's loads of gay guys
0: and how is it among kind of other teachers
1: yeah everyone's everyone's just really welcoming it's it's a really welcoming community of anyone like any kind of background so it's a really really lovely lovely place to work really nice and what about with, like,
0: parent relationships?
1: That doesn't, it doesn't really come up, if I'm honest. The only thing that happens is we have, like, an LGBT club at school, like a Pride club, um, which I don't, I don't actually take part in too much at school. Um, I do a club outside of school. Um, but always there's a reminder that sent around report times to say don't mention the club in reports, because I think sometimes former tutors can, like, go, oh, they, they love this Pride club, and that's maybe not the p- students yeah. don't want their parents to know or make assumptions about what that means.
0: Yeah and I, I think that's that's a really tricky line to walk I I definitely feel like that sometimes especially when I've got people who have changed their name and kind of have like parents evening and it's it's something like I think we tread carefully on but yeah it's that's the like difficulty of navigating that because not everyone not every student is able to have that relationship with their parents yeah where they that- can be themselves yet anyway because yeah. it's a it's, uh, I remember being that age and being petrified of kind of coming out and uh, being who I actually was and uh, like the the outcome of it was actually not terrible but I think at that age you think it's gonna be terrible I don't know it just feels so like end, like end of the world uh, regardless of what kind of happens or what the outcome is Um, how was the coming out experience for you?
1: With friends it was really easy um, yeah. and then with, with parents I accidentally texted my mum something that I shouldn't have. And then that <laughs> acted, I outed myself and was like, yeah, mum, that, that's what... Mum was like, what does this mean? I was like, well, that's what that means. <laughs> um, and then and then my sister told my dad. And then right. I just was like, oh, that's done now. And um, so I didn't really properly come out. It just kind of mm. happened, if you see what I mean. But when, when I kind of said, kind of clarified things, it all kind of went fine, yeah.
0: yeah. That's good to hear. And uh, how old were you at that point?
1: I think... I was probably like 17, 18, something like that.
0: Okay. So did the media kind of help you kind of put together that what that meant to you, what your identity is? Was there anything at the time that was helpful for that? So like what was the first representation of kind of gay identity you remember seeing? I think
1: the one that sticks with me the most is Queer as Folk. Kind of, you yes. In 1999, I was in year nine. Yeah. Um, and obviously at that point, I knew I was gay, um, but I hadn't told my friends. And I distinctly remember a period where Queer as Folk was on TV and everyone was watching and everyone was talking about it. And I remember my friends saying, oh, you're watching this show? And I was like, no, absolutely not. And they were like, no, it's really good. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. This is like a, a way in. Mm-hmm. And I think that representation and that kind of, I don't know, that kind of water cooler program, I suppose you could call it, and everyone talking about it, even if you're straight, gay, whatever, mm-hmm. that really helped me come out because it made me feel comfortable that people were watching it without feeling disgusted or whatever kind of emotion you could put with it and I was like oh actually my friends I could tell my friends about this because they watch this show do you know what I mean
0: yeah no I, I think media is a tool to kind of test the waters and that sort of thing as well and it's uh, it's how we communicate as well we we talk about things we watch all the time and so yeah I think hearing that someone's watching a show that you Understand what that show is about. It does. It, it it's almost like that badge that we wear for students. It It's, it's a signifier of like, oh, I, I could I actually be me here. I yeah. It's kind of so that's that's really impactful. Do you, do you, what do you think of the series? And I I can't say I've watched it, but I know that there's a remake coming out, and it's on my list to watch. But what do you think of the series?
1: Yeah, I, re- I at the time I really liked it. Um, I think it's a very hedonistic kind of show. It's very kind of heartwarming at at parts as well um obviously it, it broke the boundaries in terms of like the rimming scene on tv was like a big moment <laughs> for british tv i think people were like what's going on yeah and i think i think there is hasn't really been a much kind of nothing's really come back on that i mean i know that in white lotus recently there was a rimming scene as well and i know yeah. the actor was like this needs to be in here because we need to have more normalization of like gay sexual activity because we don't have that
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and i think i think that's really interesting how that's we had that big moment, and that hasn't really carried forward, I guess. Um, but in terms of in terms of the show, I think it's I think it's a really good show. I haven't watched it recently, so I don't know how it holds up. I know there was an American an American remake, that mm. ran five seasons. I really enjoyed that.
0: Um, that was good. I think what you just said about the ringing sequence in White Lotus again. I haven't seen that show yet, but it, it, those sort of news articles seem to crop up, and I read about kind of the, those scenes and things like that. And I um, I think the actor was saying. Uh, He got the choice of doing like whatever he wanted in that sequence and he was like, well, well, let's do rooming and then yeah, for that exact exact moment. So I think it's really interesting and seems quite shocking to see on on TV, but very kind of a normal uh, kind of sexual experience within kind of the queer community. So uh, really, really cool. What do you think about the American series in comparison?
1: I don't know. In In the British season, there was there was a death fairly early on and in the American season, that character actually stayed alive. And I think that's quite interesting. I think the idea of this whole bury your gaze trope, I think, comes up a lot. And very early on, in, as I say, the British series, a character dies and the fact that they kept them alive in the American series was good. Um, and they allowed that person to flourish and develop as a character. I think, if I'm honest, I can't remember too much about it. But I remember that being a very interesting kind of distinguishing thing between them.
0: Uh, I'm really glad you mentioned the burial gays uh, <laughs> um Yeah, it, it's amazing how many times it kind of crops up and hopefully we're seeing kind of less of that now. Not that kind of gay people don't die, but yeah, they were just like never allowed happiness immediately killed off and things like that. So yeah, that's interesting to see how maybe the the writers or the American writers reflected on that and didn't follow that sort of trope. So you, you said that Queers queer Folk* was kind of a, a key text, but what do you think was the most significant film or TV text for you growing up?
1: I think it's just timing. Maybe it was it was what was on when I was around, when I was at that point in my life, in the same. Yeah. Maybe *Heartstopper* might be the same kind of experience for people, young people mm-hmm. nowadays, for example, or *Drag Race* maybe potentially. I don't know. I think I think it is what's on at the moment. That you're going through things in your own life. I think it's timing.
0: Yeah, I, I think it, it, yeah, it's definitely, I think Heartstop was a massive one for the, for the kids that are coming through schools right now. What about, what kind of media helped you understand that you were gay before kind of Queer as Folk then? Cause you said in year nine, you knew you were. I don't know really.
1: It's really interesting because I have been trying, I've been trying to think about kind of gay characters or gay, gay um, kind of storylines before that. And nothing really stands out and I think one thing that does stand out to me is that gay characters perhaps are very in that period were very one-dimensional kind mm-hmm. of in kind of more kind of broadly hetero series if you said like soaps and things like you'd have like a campy character or a character with aids mm-hmm. or you know falling in these very very pigeonholed slotted roles of what a gay character could or should be a gay best friend mm-hmm. you know those kind of A campy character, a gay best friend, or a character with AIDS. They're your three options for a soap, is what I kind of feel. I mean, maybe I'm being unfair, but that is certainly, you know, how how I feel. And in terms of kind of thinking about my coming out story, I I have a distinct memory of, um, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but I was talking with my aunt, my mum was talking to my aunt with me there about me being gay, and my aunt said, oh, don't catch HIV and die. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. what the hell? I'm like, 16, 17, like, why are you saying this to me? And she probably was saying it to me because on TV, that was what characters were. They got, a gay character came out on TV, then they got AIDS, then they died. That was the storyline of a gay character. And so her response to me might have actually been quite, you know, genuine, potentially. Mm-hmm. And like, actually, I'm worried about you because that's what she'd seen on TV. But for me as a 17 year old, I was like, what the hell do you think I am? Like, yeah. That's not my story. You know, I'm cleared up about what I need to do to keep myself safe. Why are you, why are you doing that to me?
0: Yeah, I, I had a very similar kind of circumstance at 18 uh, with someone in my family saying something similar to me. And I was a bit taken back and I was like, what, what do you think? What do you think I am? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it probably does come from a general place of, of care. And that's all they've seen. They've seen gay people, and they've seen gay people suffering, and that's right. kind of the the root. And um, yeah, I think that's hopefully less of a thing now. Although, I, I guess even with things like monkeypox right now, we're seeing kind of a, a different or uh, kind of representation going on, and those kind of similar things are happening. Hopefully, people are a bit more aware of how they're happening and how it's being constructed on the media. But yeah, I, th- I think. It's interesting to see those links are being made yet again. What do you remember of? So you said you were uh, year nine in the 90s. So what what do you remember of kind of the AIDS crisis then? So very little, I presume.
1: Yeah, very little. Nothing. Yeah. Much I mean, I feel like my sex education at school was like it worked. I yeah. knew what I needed to do. I knew to go and get tested regularly and things like that. I've managed not to get any sexually transmitted infections in my life, like because of the education I had. And I imagine that probably has come out of kind of what schools and things have learned from that.
0: What was your kind of gay sex education like though? What what was there anything? Not gay sex education, no. no. But generally like
1: on STIs and going and getting tested, that kind of thing. Like I felt like I had the right the right knowledge from my school background. Mm-hmm. to be able to make the
0: right decisions in terms of kind of sexual interactions that how did you learn is it was it just for experience or was it kind of was it through media you saw i know a lot of people kind of um i know that i probably got all of my misinformation from porn um <laughs> but do you know what i mean like where where did that come from i don't know i guess i guess it's just experience
1: like you have yeah. to, you find yourself don't you like yeah so you find yourself by trying things and working out what you like and that's yeah. experience i guess
0: yeah in your current school then what sort of um ed- sex education is delivered
1: um so we have a we have a um a robust phse program cool. uh, where they touch on different things it's an all-girls school uh, and so they talk they talk about things from a, a, a female perspective cool. dominantly um I, i'm a form tutor in the upper sixth and i think mm-hmm. by that point a lot of that stuff has already been delivered um, and for doing the upper, for the lower sixth and upper sixth form tutoring, I do a lot of more careers type stuff in PHSE uh, rather than kind of sex and relationships things. We have a lot of, we do have in the upper sixth kind of stuff on breast cancer, mm-hmm. uh, but that's kind of as close as it gets, I guess. Um, we have a lot of what we do do, which I think is really good, is we get experts in to come and speak to the young people. Right. Yeah. So rather than us, I mean, I I feel like I've got a really good relationship with my form, but. I think, as a male, as a gay male, particularly as well, how on earth am I going to tell these young people how, <laughs> <out? laughs> you know, sex, let alone straight sex? So I think ultimately getting these experts in, um, they're really, really good, and they they kind of they've just got a way of, of speaking to young people that really connects. And I think often if I say something and then someone else says the same thing, but as an outsider, they'll listen to the outsider absolutely way more because. Yeah. I don't even know why it is, it's just a phenomenon that happens with young people,
0: I don't know why. I think it's really common, I think it's, um, I I often see it where a parent can say something over and over again and then one external adult says it and it clicks and it's like, well, and I think, yeah, that's the sort of relationship that you have with a student is that you don't necessarily, they listen to you all day but they're not necessarily going to take everything in and sometimes they need to hear from someone external and I'd say that's really good that you're getting external people in and to anyone who is kind of listening, I think it doesn't actually have to always be you who's delivering the the like the important stuff, getting people in. You don't need to know everything, basically, and uh, no one expects you to know everything, and that's great. That's yes. that's a, that's really promising and, and really good. So um, back to the media, was beyond queer as folk? Was there a character, or film, or TV series that kind of stuck out to you in your journey? And it doesn't necessarily have to be about gay representation it could just be something that uh was really significant to you as a text
1: I think well when I was growing up I really was into Buffy Buffy Vampire yeah. Slayer yeah um, around for seven seasons and kind of it started on this allegory of high school is hell like high school is a really hard place to get through and yeah Joss Whedon kind of had this kind of mirror of high school being really difficult with young people fighting monsters, like actual mm-hmm. literal monsters in school. Um, and I think that that for me really resonated growing up and going through school. I think it was a really good show. Um, it did have some kind of gay themes. I mean, Willow started out not a lesbian and then became a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And then we had, again, the bury your gays trope because her partner dies in a mm-hmm. gunshot wound. But it, what's interesting with that is I was uh, reflecting on that and thinking about that. But no one in that show, I don't think, comes out of it the other side with a happy relationship. I think everyone's relationship no. goes through it. I can't think of anyone at the end, you know, either the car- the partner dies or... I, I think everyone's, everyone's main character, the partner, dies in that. So I don't, I don't think you can accuse that of a bury your game straight, but everyone dies, like bury everyone.
0: <laughs> you know? so. I remember Buffy. I remember watching the season finale. But yeah, Tara and Willow... I guess the first lesbian relationship I saw in TV, that's kind of significant. Uh, But yeah, um, obviously tragic circumstances. But yeah, I remember when I first started this podcast, I asked uh, about 500 people the first representation they saw. And a lot of it was Tara and Willow. Really? Um, Yeah. So I think it's quite a good, prominent one. And I think Buffy's really significant as a. A text really. I love Buffy. I actually need to show it to my partner at some point. That would be really good. I'm
1: showing it to my kids at the moment and they just love it. They just they just absolutely love it and I didn't tell them that the musical episode was coming and they like <laughs> like obviously with greatest Showman and things, young people yeah. like love a musical and like I just knew they were gonna go wild for it and they loved it, like it was mm-hmm. brilliant. It was really good.
0: There's some really just great moments and is it where he's singing about the mustard in his t shirt or something like that? That's yeah.
1: great.
0: He got yeah. the mustard out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, yeah, that's a really incredible episode. I really want to watch yeah. it. What do you think about the most problematic gay representation you've seen?
1: I think I'll go back to the fact of these ideas of these kind of one-dimensional characters. I think yeah. there's no kind of one representation that I can think of that I think, oh, that's really a problem. But when I think back to how one, like, think about where we are now. We've got this huge, diverse range of TV shows you can watch. I mean, if you're a younger gay person, you can get something out of Heartstopper. Mm. If, you know, if you've got, if you've got, um, if you're neurodivergent, you can watch something like Special, have you heard of that? Mm. But it, yeah, yeah that show there's bonding which obviously goes into BDSM there's there's all these different shows for every different kind of intersectionality now and then you look back and you think what what are we thinking with these like yeah. one-dimensional people and I think that's that's the biggest problem for me I think another big problem obviously is the representation of the trans community I think the trans community has got a really hard deal mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of representation and kind of what to look to. I mean, there's the horrific scene in, I'm not sure which of the mask films in it is. Is it The Mask? Uh, uh, Ace
0: Ventura is really bad.
1: Uh, A Ventura, that's the one yeah. I'm thinking of, sorry. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of, you're right. Yeah. Ace Ventura, that, that scene there, I mean, that is, that's like heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. What were they thinking? I don't know, like that kind of thing is not, that, that, needs, that needs addressing big time. And I think we are having more trans representation. You've got uh, the trans character in Orange is the New Black, whose name escapes me now
0: um um Levan Cox that, yeah, yeah
1: yeah that's it and you've got more representation but i think that's where that's perhaps where, what needs addressing in the same way that we see the diverse intersectionality of gay and lesbian mm. kind of programming we need to see more of the stories of trans people i think
0: yeah i i would definitely say that have you seen pose yeah 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 that's yeah.
1: that's a really good example you're right mm. that is a really good example of of where it's been done well
0: yeah yeah, Pose was incredible. I still haven't seen the, la- the last season, actually. But yeah, really, really good programme. I'm just thinking, have you seen a film called Disclosure? No, no, I haven't. So it's something that I screen to my students. I teach media. So I often talk about trans representation and there's a documentary called Disclosure, which is all about trans representation in Hollywood. And they interview people like Laverne Cox on on it as well. And they go through kind of sequences in Hollywood that have been really transphobic, such as Ace Ventura. That's why it's kind of in the forefront of my mind. But it's definitely worth checking out. I, I get a lot of people to watch that just to understand the importance of kind of what I'm doing and what kind of it actually means, because I think a lot of people don't necessarily see the importance of talking about this stuff, uh, but actually it's really significant and. <clears throat> It's, you know I mean? it's. really significant that we can even have a conversation about this right now. Uh, if it wasn't significant, we probably would have a plethora of things to talk about, and there wouldn't be any specifics. It would just be like it is uh, queer representation, and and that is that. Do you know what I mean, you wouldn't be able to talk about this about kind of straight heter- heteronormative relationships because we're, we're, no one remembers the first time that they saw a straight relationship because it's, it's yes. everywhere. Yeah. So you're a parent, right? Yeah. 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 So, what? How? Like, what do your kids watch in terms of kind of queer identities? What What have you shown them?
1: I think. I think. I got to a point where I was thinking, God, we watch so much queer TV. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do they watch too much? <laughs> 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 I like, we. I. I think. i very early on, I made peace with the fact that young people love a game show, and I like yeah. I can't handle like dancing on ice or any of that stuff. Like, but you, like when maybe when you were younger, when I was younger, you, Saturday night you watch a game yeah. show, you watch Gladiators or whatever when you're younger. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I'm like we're gonna watch Drag Race because at least it's like it's a comp- it's a competition show, but it's my mm-hmm. people, so I can cope with it. I yeah. just, like whereas I can't necessarily cope with say X Factor or Britain's Got Talent, like. But at least Drag Race, I think, has has a genuine heart to it that yeah that carries through, and I'm sure it is staged, and I'm sure there are elements that are scripted and things, but ultimately, I think the message is good there.
0: Yeah, I think you can forgive the the fact that it's still a production because of those because of the heart it has, yeah, and because of the fact that the it's not mainstream representation. I I think yeah, I'm with you there. I, I would really struggle to watch any kind of uh saturday night game show or saturday night x factor or anything like that now i would be like what is this <laughs> or i'd be very bored i don't know maybe there is some great stuff going on for talent now but no it, it definitely isn't kind of where my mind is at now in terms of um though like kids tv i don't know how old your your kids are but was there anything for for them at kind of earlier ages
1: i don't know i think it's really transformed the way that children consume media like my two are 12 and 15 and yeah it's just youtube it's all and it's like watching people play minecraft <laughs> when younger, roblox and yeah it is it's all kind of content creation it's it's already dull and i don't understand why they enjoy it but maybe it's just the kind of like that lack of attention span that they have to just watch a three minute five minute whatever video and that does it um and the same my, my daughter's kind of tiktok and you're like how are you getting anything out of this So, what are you getting from this but yeah so they're they're not so kind of into it Um, they're both they're both into like the marvel universe so like that yeah, yeah. maybe i was into kind of disney films when i was very young
0: they got into that, that universe of marvel yeah. but yeah i don't rate the marvel films that much <laughs> i do, i like them don't get me wrong not as much as like x-men meant meant so much to me as a kid in, yeah. in, in terms of like 2000s uh x-men uh yeah. and the allegory of what that kind of stood for and maybe when x-men join the mcu which apparently is coming soon that'll be yeah. the that'll be the way in um in terms of the disney you consume though what what do you think of that now
1: i think i the 3d disney like the pixar stuff i think is really good i really like yeah. the recent like coco and mm-hmm. uh, what was the jazz one? Oh. uh soul yeah yeah that yeah. yeah Soul, that's it yeah yeah so that that they, they're really good they, they they've just got really kind of strong stories and really underlying messages. They're really, really good. Seeing red as well, I mean just stupid things like representation of periods in mm-hmm. Disney films. Like, oh my God, like and particularly as a gay parent, talking to your daughter about her periods, that kind of enables that conversation to happen. Yeah. In a yeah. way that I mean if you have you watched Snow White recently, she like Snow White is absolutely pathetic. She looks <laughs> like whales and cries and she can't do anything for herself. And you're like, what's going on? Like and then yeah to where we are now it's
0: really good. It leads on to my next question which was that do you feel like representations are evolving and moving forwards and I think you've very clearly demonstrated that don't get me wrong I love Snow White and I love kind of early Disney and things like that but yeah the the way that those characters are framed and now they're being framed is so uh stark and I talked uh, talked to a teacher friend's kids and talking about the kind of princess is and she's all she's all about Merida and I think it's because Merida's do you know what I mean an independent and adventure seeker and all the stuff and it's not not to be defined by a, a prince and all this other stuff. And I think that's as far really as gorgeous. I
1: know as far as I know Merida as a character was designed with that kind of feminist mindset. Oh it, awesome. it, they got people on board to actually yeah. form and help make those decisions and get those decisions right. Yeah and Merida is one of the first ones where they actually actively said, right, enough is enough. Let's sort this out, and they got yeah. they got consultants on board to actually make the story more fair to women.
0: Let's be honest. Yeah. Do you ever teach or talk about feminism at school? Is it part of PHSE?
1: It's definitely part of PHSE. I'm, I'm just trying to think about in in my subject. I mean, we it, in geography we think about in one of the units, we definitely think about place and different people's experience of place. So we think mm-hmm. about space, like how a queer person could re- reflect in a space or how women could reflect in a space. And a really in- interesting phenomenon we teach in geography is the idea of entrapment spaces. So these ideas of dark dark alleyways or dead ends and spaces that women could feel unsafe at night or women could be unsafe at night, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we definitely definitely talk about feminism through that. We also talk about, we have a unit on human rights. So we talk about kind of- okay feminism and you know things like period poverty kind of that as a human rights abuse um and definitely feminism comes up i think the school is very feminist as it should be and i think um we definitely align with those values for sure
0: hi everyone i just wanted to take a second to talk about our sponsors this season at ethos made ethos made specializing making eco-friendly sustainable and non-toxic coconut wax candles on the northern coast of cornwall Recently, they've released a prideful collection with three pride flag inspired candles that smell and look amazing. And even cooler is the fact that a portion of the proceeds goes to specific LGBTQIA charities. There's a traditional pride flag candle with proceeds going to the Say It Loud Club, whose work helps LGBTQIA refugees seek asylum in the UK from countries where you can be persecuted for being a member of the community. There's the trans flag candle, which supports Gendered Intelligence, a trans-led and trans-involving charity that works to increase understandings of gender diversity and improve the lives of trans people. Their vision is a world where diverse gender expressions are visible and valued, and where trans, non-binary, gender-diverse, and gender-questioning people live healthy, safe, and fulfilled lives. There's also the Lesbian Flag Candle, which supports the Kaleidoscope Trust, who work to fund, fight for, and empower those upholding the human rights of LGBT people by working with governments, changemakers and civil society organisations to effect meaningful and lasting change in the lives of LGBTQIA people everywhere. Each candle is a wonderful, refreshing scent called Pomelo and Pink Fizz. They provide extensive burn times. They last around 50 to 55 hours each. The scent is a nice, sweet fragrance that mixes sparkling champagne with sweet grapefruit, rhubarb and juicy watermelon. You can find them at ethosmade.co.uk. That is E-T-H-O-S dot u k or at their instagram at ethos made so that's at e-t-h-o-s underscore m-a-d-e and remember to quote qr at the checkout to get 10% off your order thanks for taking the time to listen to our sponsors now let's get back to it what do you think about do you think there were any negative representations that had any effects on kind of family relationships or things like that anything that they saw that impacted the way that they thought of the queer community or maybe still about trans community is there anything out there that you think uh that caused uh, an opinion or a stirring
1: i don't think so at all i i mean i know that my stepmom is a massive queen fan and so yes. she's very you know very a fan of freddie mercury and i think mm-hmm. that. I think that probably helped more than anything else. Like, obviously, yeah. Frank, being an incredibly famous gay person, and and I think that probably helped her understand that struggle, perhaps, and made mm-hmm. it easier for that conversation to happen. Potentially, I've mentioned be- before my my aunt who had the disparaging comment about not dying from HIV, and I think mm-hmm. that that's probably the biggest problematic experience. That I that's as bad as it gets for me, and that was literally, well, oh, what a silly thing to say, and that yeah, very fortunate that that's as bad as it got for me um n- nothing else really nothing else was an issue really i don't
0: think that's yeah really good to hear and yeah I, I think that's really good and even i think it's uh interesting about like queen and stuff is because queen's such an interesting band because they have like i mean they're, they're very iconic and very iconically british and i think they're held up as kind of that and kind of a, an emblem of british music mm-hmm. and it's, it's interesting to me because sometimes I feel like people, some people who listen to Queen are homophobic or are transphobic and I think that they know that Freddie Mercury is gay or was he bi, bi but um, they, I don't know, they hold it at a distance and they're like, well, I, I just care about the music, but and the same with like people like David Bowie and things like that it's really interesting to me for so people are, who don't necessarily accept homosexuality or transgender or anything like that and yet listen to kind of really queer music um, yeah. so, so I've spoken to someone recently who's going through a really tough time at the moment and they were like, but we're going to see the pet shop boys next week. And I was like, so your parents are um, like treating you really bad at the moment because of you've just come out to them, but they're taking you to see the pet shop boys. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, it's such a, like icon like queer music. And I was like, it's just interesting to see how these things kind of fit together or people are able to but com- I think, compartmentalize. I
1: think, I think that fits in with the idea of what a gay person should be. And I think, in, in the, if you think about the British media, mm. a gay person is allowed to be an entertainer. A gay person is allowed to be a performer. You know, a gay person is allowed to have HIV and die. Yeah. These are the commonly accepted things. You think about the really big, you know, Graham Norton. You think about Lily Savage. You think mm-hmm. about uh, Paul O'Grady. You think these people are allowed to, to flourish because they're creatives. But maybe not necessarily in the early days. Talk about who they really were, but it was okay. Yeah.
0: They were funny, you know. Yeah, no, that's really interesting, and, and a lot of entertainers. I've just been listening to a um a podcast about Michael Barrymore. Yeah. Now, uh, Michael Barrymore's not someone that I I remember on TV, but that's that seems really interesting. Uh, uh, the way that he came out and like his career direct trajectory is one that seems familiar because of these kind of entertainers who are uh, kind of yeah allowed to be that and manage to kind of maintain their status regardless of that which is i mean great but you think about yeah those teachers that have come out as trans and then jumping you know, in been chased by the daily mail and things like that yeah. which is uh, really horrible on the, the kind of other side of that so, next question: Is there representation a particular character you used to love but now think is really problematic?
1: I can't. I can't put my finger on anything particularly. Um. Mm-hmm. I think. I think I'm shocked at how much you kind of put up with, mm-hmm. and how much you kind of like. Oh, that's another slight against my people, but it was funny. You know, you think, oh, well, they were trying to be funny, so I let them off, and you know, the amount of poor representation there's been in the past that we've just let go Mm -hmm. um, or, oh, it's a product of its time or that kind of stuff. Like enough is enough on that, like enough is enough on that kind of transphobic or Mm -hmm. homophobic or one dimensional character profiling that they've done in the past. I don't know. I don't know how to exactly phrase it, but I think it is, I'm shocked at when you look back and you're like, that was awful. Like, yeah recognizing homophobia in the past or transphobia in the past. I've not got the answer on what it is. I mean, maybe those kind of warnings or those kind of contextual settings are important, um, but I don't, I don't know what the answer is.
0: No, I would agree with you there. I think, um, yeah, it's the, like, villainization of the creation of those things as well, and I think a lot of people refer to cancel culture, but I don't necessarily think that it's ca- about cancel culture. I think it's about reflection on these things, which is really positive. So yeah, I, I don't know whether there is a particular character for me either, but I, I think that's really interesting that we're we're coming to things with a different lens now, and that's that's really positive. Are you have you ever watched anything with your your kids and been like, oh, this is not this is dated?
1: Friends. I don't understand why young people are watching Friends on Netflix. <laughs> um, it's, I, I mean, I was in a hospital last year, and I thought oh, I'll yeah. just try and smash through the first series. And like, it's awful for a start. It's not even funny, and mm-hmm. and and I think there's there's definite transphobia in there. I, I believe, isn't it? Isn't it Mo- Ross's dad or someone? Someone Chandler's dad is
0: Chandler's dad. Yeah, is a um trans. Uh, is a woman. trans?
1: this is it and it, and, and there's derogatory terms they're using. And that's fascinating in terms of the creators of Friends have turned around and made something so wonderful as Grace and Frankie because mm. um, it's, it's, it's Marta Kaufman I think has made yeah. Grace and Frankie and, and what a journey that's been from someone to have been part of that story from Friends to have created something I think so so wonderful as Grace and Frankie like
0: heartwarming as Grace and Frankie I think yeah i think grace and frankie is uh kind of fantastic and i i think recently the the creators of friends have kind of like apologized for that representation and i i don't know i think the reaction from the general public is like why are you apologizing but i kind of like that i think it's really cool that you can look back and be like well we could have done that better and do you mean that's like i would rather that than someone be like no, we did we did everything perfectly. Yeah, they doubled down on it. Yeah, yeah, and I can't think of the crew creator. Uh, you know Amy Poehler? Yeah. Amy Poehler. Yeah, she once did a sketch on SNL, and it was in real poor taste. And I can't remember the specifics of it, but she was like given kind of this letter from the person it was about, and said like, "I'm actually suffering." Da-da-da-da. and she like doubled downed on it and like made loads of excuses for why sh- why the sketch was done and that she didn't have yeah. the time to ref- like research it properly and it was such a quick turnaround and I, I don't know I, it just made me think like that's still not good enough like you yeah. it's f- just admit you got something wrong like that's that's fine as well yeah uh, And yeah, the growth thing, I didn't actually know until you just said about Grace and Frankie being uh, by the same creators. Amazing.
1: I'm sure it's Marta Kaufman. I'm sure it is. is One of the writers, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Are we checking? Yes, I am.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's Marta Kaufman. Marta Kaufman, definitely, is a creator of Grace and Frankie, and I'm sure they wrote Friends as well. Yeah, they they they
0: definitely said. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: No, that's cool. I, I really like that that people uh, you know I mean? are, are growing in their writing and I think that's very human as well we always we get better as we go along and yeah. and we're reflective and things like that as well so I'm on to the last question which is really great um, so I just wanted to ask like what do you want from queer representation going forward what would be your kind of dream what would you want for your kids etc
1: I think a continuation of the trend that I'm seeing now
0: mm-hmm. in
1: that we're having queer stories created by queer people, mm-hmm. portrayed by queer people on the screen. Um, and I think, I think it's so, so important that queer people write the stories of our people that are mm-hmm. shown to, to the proper, you know, to the general public. And I think that hasn't always been the the case in the past. And that's why missteps have been made because, someone who isn't from that background can't speak fully Mm -hmm. through that person's lived experience. And I think we're seeing that through the kind of variety of different shows and their intersectionalities at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, we've got, you know, stories from lots of different subcultures coming through. And I just hope that that continues. And we've got got a variety of types of shows. You've got the short form shows like Special and Bonding. They're only like, Mm -hmm. I think the episodes are like eight minutes each. And you can, like, smash the whole series in an afternoon. And I think that's great. Even if it's short-form series, Mm -hmm. those voices still need to be heard. Um, And I think, as well, podcasts as well, you've got... I I read in the news this week that uh, DC are smashing it with loads of superhero podcasts from different backgrounds. So there's a Black Batman podcast, I think. Oh, cool. And, And, you know, these different ways of telling stories allow a lot more representation to come through because you don't need a huge budget for a 15-minute episode.
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think what you just said about kind of podcasts as well, the the accessibility of these things as well, like, don't need much to be able to tell your story. I think there's an advert at the moment for a certain podcast um, provider and they like, if you've got something to say, you're already a podcaster, like you you might as well be putting that out there and developing your voice and kind of having your say. And uh, yeah, I think that's really positive is that because of all the technology, because of the accessibility of that technology and the, the cheapness of that technology now, it's not just all about TV and film and it's not all just about kind of, I don't know, those massive franchises. So like things like Stranger Things as well. It doesn't need to be on kind of that level. It can be on these kind of uh, shorter things as well. I also really... I I don't personally have TikTok, but I think that is a good platform. I know that sometimes I do... Yeah, I think on it, I have Instagram and the, they have reels on there and I feel yeah. like I w- waste my life on that um, because I watch one video and then it's like 20 later and I'm like, oh, what just happened? Um, <laughs> but I think that there's, again, I don't have TikTok, but like the odd thing on there is really promising. However, I guess there's also the alternative of that is that there's some really horrible stuff on there as well that I've been seeing as well of like misogynistic people and things like that having a really big platform. So we'll see what that kind of means going forward. Definitely,
1: I think it's it, interesting this idea of kind of regulation, or mm-hmm. you know, obviously broadcasters are held to such high account with Ofcom, mm-hmm. and, and, and then on the flip side, you've got TikTok that that has no regulation. I think you you were touching on the story of is it that guy who's like actively saying smack women and stuff recently?
0: Yeah, well, I think we're talking about the same person.
1: Millions <laughs> of followers, and you're like, yeah. who's watching this guy? Like, yeah. what are you getting out of watching this guy? Like, it's mad. And you wouldn't get that on the BBC, you wouldn't get that on Channel 4 because of the regulation. So the lack of regulation can be good for creatives, but it can also be very difficult in terms of the hate speech you get, ultimately.
0: Yeah, and then, yeah, how, does, how do they regulate that as well? And especially when it's free speech and all that sort of thing, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult one for sure. Hi everyone thank you for listening to this episode of queer reflections thank you for liam for spending the time with me and everyone who subscribes listens etc also again just to say we did say goodbye and we did wrap things up nicely but the recording seems to have not recorded into that moment so that is an error on my behalf as i said at the start of this podcast it was really enjoyable to talk to an out teacher who's in a similar situation that i am and i think that is hopefully inspiring to any teachers who are gay, queer, trans, who are concerned about coming out in the classroom and how it changes things. I know that it's a very scary prospect but the kids, as they say, the kids are alright and they are wonderful, supportive and yeah, being able to be that visibility is amazing and I'm grateful for it every day. So that's it for this episode all the best. Have a wonderful evening, day, morning, whatever you get up to. And feel free to reach out on the Instagram at Queer Reflections or at my email, which is harryfaint at yahoo.com. Thank you very much. Take care and all the best. Bye.